Okay, the passage today is from Luke chapter 5. So we'll be reading Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 16. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Good morning, everybody, um, and happy Mother's Day to Mum. There you go. Um, let's pray as we look at this part of the Bible. Heavenly Father, we just ask that as we look at your word now, we pray that we would see Jesus clearly. Um, Lord, we pr pray that Luke would show us Jesus as our Saviour and as our King. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, comfortable now. Can you think of a situation where you finally come to realise that you actually need help from somebody? So maybe you've been in this sort of situation growing up where you're playing in the surf, you're jumping over the waves, going under the waves, and all of a sudden you realise you can't touch the bottom anymore, and you get this sort of feeling in your gut, this sickening realisation that you need help. You know that feeling? It's a similar kind of feeling to one I had late at night in a dormitory at a boarding school where we were breaking all the rules. We're boys after all. We were running around after lights out, throwing things around the dorm, and I was half under someone's bed trying to get my thong back so I could throw it at someone and realise that the dorm parent was standing behind me. There's that kind of that feeling deep down that you're busted. You're in big, big trouble. I'm going to get what I deserve. It's, it's a slightly different feeling to what you might have at the beach where you just realise you need help. This is a kind of feeling, I need help because of the mess I've created.
created for myself. Simon Peter is, he's a lovable kind of guy. He has this infinite capacity to put his foot in it, and you'll see that as you continue to go through Luke. But in this passage, we see the moment when he's in his boat and it dawns on him who Jesus really might be. Um, his reaction um, is to be fully aware that he's out of his depth, that he needs help. And I think it's more of the dormitory sort of realisation. I've made a big mess of this. It's that sort of feeling. I mean, what would go through your mind if you were in, the, in this boat on the lake of, of Galilee and you realise that the man in the boat with you is God the Son, who's become the Son of God, the Messiah? What would, be, what would go through your mind? As we've been reading through Luke's Gospel, he's shown us that Luke... Uh, that, that Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the long-awaited King. So far we've seen his baptism. Baptism, it almost works like a commissioning for Jesus where this voice from heaven says, you are my, my Son whom I love. It kind of echoes the words of Isaiah the prophet speaking of the suffering servant. And so Luke puts these things together that Jesus is the Messiah and he's the one who will suffer, the suffering Messiah the one who will conquer sin and death. And you, kept, you keep reading through, and we picked up in chapter 4 a couple of weeks ago, and you see Jesus' temptation, the temptation where Satan tempts Jesus to have all the glory of being the Messiah, but to bypass the suffering. Um, but Jesus doesn't succumb. And then Luke's shown us Jesus' teaching, shows us what he taught in that synagogue in Nazareth where he opened part of the scroll of Isaiah and read it, and Jesus then goes... That's being fulfilled among you. And then he showed us Jesus, an example of Jesus' miracles that he performed at Capernaum. Miracles which, yeah, they play out those words from Isaiah, but they also demonstrate Jesus' authority and the power of his words. And now in chapter 5, um, you'll see Jesus' popularity continues to grow. So if you look at the start and the end of the passage, in 5 verse 1, there's crowds around him. 5 verse 1 one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret or the lake of Galilee, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. And we saw last week in 4 verse 43 that Jesus' priority is to do that, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And so he keeps moving from town to town, proclaiming that message. Um, and when Jesus did the miracles in Capernaum, people again were amazed at the power of his words. So at the start of chapter 5, Luke's showing us this crowd continues to grow. And you look at the other end of the passage in verses 15 and 16. Yet news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to him to be healed of all their sicknesses. He's drawing a crowd in as they hear about him and hear the authority of his words and what he can do. And then in verse 16, we're told that he keeps withdrawing. Um, keeps withdrawing to, to the wilderness, to private places, to pray. In between verses 1 and verse 15, Luke shows us two more miracles. There's the big catch of fish, and then there's the healing of a leper. And at first glance, you look at those things, scratch your head, why has Luke put these together like this? Why are they there? But we'll come to that. They are connected. In verses 2 to 3, so back up the top of the passage, verses 2 to 3, Jesus is exercising his priority of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, his preaching and his teaching, and he jumps in a boat and asks the fishermen to put out to sea a bit. I take it it's kind of like, to get away from the crowd sufficiently, there's got a platform to preach from. You could imagine this stage like a boat. There's a capacity to be able to speak to a larger group of people. And for Luke, um, the significance is not the sermon that day, 
The significance is there in verses 8 to 9. Simon Peter's response to the miraculous catch of fish. I think that's what Luke wants us to see at this point. The moment when Peter actually realizes, Simon realizes that he does need help. So Jesus does that strange miracle. It's a strange miracle because it doesn't really fit with the miracles he saw in Capernaum. That They kind of play out the prophecy from Isaiah, Jesus freeing captive people. This is not freeing anybody, it's catching fish. It's a weird kind of miracle in that, in that way. Um, but this miracle, Jesus, uh, Luke's showing us so that we can see, I think, the power of Jesus over nature. Um, so what happens is um, when Jesus finished teaching, he tells the disciples or tells the fishermen to put out to sea a bit further, put their nets down. Simon, if you can think of him, he's a fisherman. He knows that fishing in the middle of the day is not a real good idea. He knows everything you need to know about fishing. And here's Jesus telling him to do something strange, but they do it. And the miracle is that they catch so many fish, they need to get their partner's boat out as well to bring all these fish in. And both boats are pretty much close to sinking. And so Simon's response to seeing that Jesus knows more about fishing than him, no, Simon's response to seeing this amazing miracle, it's there in verse 8. Simon's response to seeing this miracle is the reason Luke's recorded this for us. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. And Luke puts a little bit of explanation in, in verse 9. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And verse 10, and so, James, uh, so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. They're all blown away by Jesus' authority, Jesus' power, astonished by the miracle. Um, but Simon is the one who puts one and one together and arrives at the conclusion that if Jesus has that kind of power, he's got to be from God. At very least, that's what he's realized. And then Simon realizes he's not worthy to be around Jesus, if that's who Jesus is. He's out of his depth. He's busted. He's in big trouble because he's a sinful man. Throughout the Bible, that's the response people have to the presence of God, this fear an acknowledgement of who they are. So back in the Garden of Eden, if you think about it back then, before sin entered, they walk around in the garden with God. That's the picture painted for us. But after even then Adam's sin, they realize what they've done and they attempt to hide from God. It's that horrible feeling. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit like being in the dormitory, realizing you're in big trouble. Is this, you know what you've done and you want to hide from the one who is in authority over you. You see a similar kind of thing that happens in Exodus chapter 33 when Moses isn't able to see the full glory of God. If he did, he would die. Um, the Old Testament law, the Old Testament sacrificial system drums this in to the people of Israel, taught them that sinful human beings, you cannot walk into the presence of a holy God. The whole sacrificial system underlines that for you. Blood needs to be shed. A price needs to be paid for us sinful human beings to come into the presence of a holy God. And it's not only being in the presence of God that generates that kind of fear. It's also when you have a messenger from God show up. So even if you think about Isaiah, the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6, when he's commissioned, he sees this vision from God and he says he's ruined because he is a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. 
and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This fear of God acknowledging sinful human beings. You cannot be around a holy God who doesn't sin. Um, even in, here in Luke, when the messenger Gabriel comes to Elizabeth and then to Mary, they're struck with fear. Standing before God, even simply God's messenger, puts anyone in their place. Shows us who we really are. Simon, he's a simple fisherman, and Luke shows us how he comes to realize his real place before God. He's not worthy of being in the presence of God. He's a sinner. So this fishing miracle that Luke includes in his orderly account of the gospel of Jesus, this fishing miracle shows Simon that he's a sinner, unworthy of being in God's presence. And when you, you know, stand back and you're reading Luke's gospel, it should dawn on you that actually that's us too. We're with Simon. We each follow the footsteps of Adam and Eve. We each, by nature, choose to live our own way, not God's way. So we each place ourselves at odds with God, our creator. And if we were to stand before God, the God that we ignore, we know that we deserve to be judged. So Simon's fear, it's not irrational. Simon's fear should be our fear as well. But the thing with Simon... He takes half a step forward and he takes two steps backwards. And so he's made that realization, but he hasn't put together the fact that Jesus is also, he's come for sinful human beings. Yeah, he's our judge, he's the judge over everything, but first of all, he offers help. Jesus has come for outcasts, Jesus has come to bring sinners back to God, and I think that's the connection with the next miracle that Luke puts butts it up right next to this one. This strange miracle about the catching of fish is followed by the leper. Um, there's no, if you look at verses 12 to 16, there's no chronological connection. This didn't necessarily happen the next thing after the miracle on the water that day. But remember, Luke is writing this purposeful, orderly account for Theophilus so that Theophilus will see that Jesus is the Messiah. So he's, he's decided what he's to put in and what to leave out, and he's decided to put this miracle in straight after the catch of fish. Um, Jesus comes across a man who's covered with leprosy, um, this man would have spent his whole life doing what Peter did in the boat that day. This man, this leper, would have spent his whole life understanding he's unclean, declaring he's not worthy. Um, if you go back into the Old Testament law, people with skin disease and other afflictions, they weren't able to approach God in the tabernacle or in the temple. In fact, there were rules against it. So in, Le in Leviticus chapter 13, it outlines specific rules concerning people with skin diseases. They weren't allowed into the, the tabernacle. They weren't allowed to approach God. They were considered unclean. Leviticus 13, 45 and 46 outlines they're supposed to be outside the camp even, distant from the other people. And when they do come around other people, they're to wear torn, uh, torn clothes, clothes and call out unclean, unclean. That's, that's the man here, this leper. It was only the priest who would be able to examine a person's skin condition and determine if they were clean or not. And so the man you meet, Jesus met in verse 12, would have been suffering not just from the skin disease, but everything that came with that, all the oppression that came with that, the isolation. He was the outsider. And with all that understanding, you'll look at what he says. You can feel the weight of his request. Verse 12, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his, with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He knows Jesus can intervene, but look at the way he asks, throws himself on the ground, begs. And then Jesus, in verse 13, Luke says, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. That is unthinkable, to touch the leper. 
but Jesus has no fear of the leprosy. That action, it, it would have um, communicated to this man an infinite compassion from Jesus, this, this amazing care that Jesus would do that, that he would touch him. And everyone around would have been troubled if they saw it. But Jesus shows that he isn't made unclean by this leper. In fact, quite the opposite. He makes the leper clean. He heals him. The transfer goes the other way in this case. And so he says, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And now you start to understand why Luke's put this amazing miracle in here. That day changed that man's life. He was freed from his oppression. Um, You can see Jesus again fulfilling those words of Isaiah, freeing the oppressed. And then in verse 14, Jesus sends the man straight back to the priests so that they can declare him unclean so he can come back into the community again, completely transformed. So can you see why Luke, what he's done here? He's included these two miracles, put them together. He's shown in verse 8 that Simon realizes he's a sinful person who's unworthy of being in God's presence. The next miracle, he shows a man who is unworthy of being in God's presence being brought in and restored. And in the next miracle that Steve gets to take you through from verse 17, Luke shows us that, in fact, Jesus has authority to forgive sin, the very thing that sits behind all this. So Jesus, he welcomes the outcast. He restores the sinners. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. And I think it's helpful for us to let it sink in. Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, it's not about becoming a better person. It's about us earning, not about us earning any sort of favor with God, not about us impressing God. Becoming a Christian, it's about realizing we're not a better person, but that Jesus restores us. And so if you've been following your way along through Luke, and if you can appreciate that as you read through Luke, yeah, Jesus isn't an ordinary man. Jesus might actually be the son of God. If you're coming to that realization as you read through Luke, then keep reading. I hope that as you realize that Jesus may be who he says he is, I hope you start to feel a bit of what Simon felt that day, this awareness of your sinfulness before God. And if you are realizing your sinfulness before God, then don't miss the fact that, yes, Jesus is our judge, but he's come to restore. He's come to put us back. He offers to make us clean. I've stepped around part of the passage, though. I don't even know what's... Yeah, I'll step around part of the passage. If you look back in verses 10 and 11, um, Jesus tells Simon he's going to be doing a different kind of fishing from now on. So verse 9 goes, For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Verse 10, And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. I don't know, if you've mixed with um, Christian circles for a while, then I think you'd be familiar with the idea of Christians being fishers of men, fishers of people. It's not a strange idea to you. But let me give you something else to think about. If you were to translate this more literally, then the word behind um, fish for people, it's a funny word. It's a word catch alive. It's a word that I'm aware occurs... or. I think occurs only one other time in the New Testament, in, in 2 Timothy 2 verse 26, where it's used to describe the way that, the, that Satan catches people to do his will. 
Um, it's also the word that's used to translate in the, the Greek Old Testament. So there's a Greek Old Testament out there, translate the Hebrew to Greek. In, in places like Joshua 6, verse 25, the word used for catch alive, it's there where it talks about Joshua sparing Rahab. You start to let that shape your thinking about what Jesus is saying. Jesus, he talks about um, Simon being fishers of people. He's talking about Simon catching people alive, sparing them, catching them to do God's will. That's the kind of picture being painted. And then think about the context. So it comes in verse 10. It's straight after Simon realizes he's a sinful person. The minute Simon realizes he's a sinful person, he goes, he goes to Jesus, get out of here. I can't be around you. And Jesus goes, don't be afraid. I'm going to make you catch people alive. When you kind of let that process just a little bit, what you're seeing is Jesus uses sinful people to catch people for the gospel. Jesus uses sinful people, people who understand their unworthiness, who understand how much we need Jesus. He uses us to spare other people. And then Luke goes on to unravel the puzzle for us by showing Jesus restore the unclean and showing Jesus bring forgiveness. And so as you look back across the passage, you know, what, do you, what do you take away from it all? Well, hopefully it's all been falling in place along the way. Looking back over the passage, first thing is I reckon we need to know that we too are unworthy of God, unworthy of Jesus, just like Simon Peter. We're the same. We're sinful human beings. I reckon secondly, we need to know that Jesus has time for us, for the outcasts, for the sinners. Jesus is offering to restore us, to bring us back to God. And I think thirdly, uh, I think we should see that we should be playing our part in seeing others caught alive for Jesus. I'm going to pray for us, and hopefully there's more for us to keep talking about. Let's pray. Father God, we are sorry for the ways that we ignore you. And Father, we realize and we understand our place before you. Lord, thanks for not leaving us alone in our sin. Thank you for sending your son to save us. We ask that you'd use us to help catch others alive for Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.